Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Good to see you. <laughs> good stuff. We need to wake up a bit, don't we? But it's good. Yes. It's great to be in God's presence, isn't it? Great to be together. This seems like really tinny. Should I just keep speaking? Okay, cool. That's great. Um, yes, it's a privilege to be speaking today. And, you know, sometimes there's a place where you really plan a talk really well and you have notes and maybe sometimes I write out word for word what I'm going to say and effectively read it because you really want to keep it succinct and to the point. Other times just got some quite detailed notes but today I just want to speak without notes because it's one of those times I think where I just need to share heart and sometimes if you want to share heart and you're reading something it doesn't quite come across as you want it to. So my prayer is, although I'd be a little bit vulnerable today, my prayer is that hopefully you'll hear something of the heart of what I want to share today because this is the gospel we're looking at. As we look at Jesus, we look at knowing Christ better to follow him more closely as this series is all about and being authentic Christians, as Phil was saying earlier. We've got to get the heart of that, haven't we? And so that's my plan for this afternoon to share hearts and hopefully I'll get there. But if I go off a little bit, forgive me, I'm doing it without notes. And also I just want to say, I have just warned one person in particular of this before today. And I'm going to be sharing a little bit about my father and his death a few years ago. And I know that some people have walked through some really tough times of grief in these last few months. And so if that's you, and if as I share a little bit later about that, if that's tough for you, and you're feeling emotional or brings back something of the grief, then just feel free to go and get some fresh air or go for a walk or whatever. I won't be offended in the slightest. I understand that. So just be really free to do that if that's you. So we're in this series about being authentic Christians. If you remember and if you followed it, we did a series on the Sermon on the Mount last time that was all delivered online, Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7. If you didn't hear any of that series, I'd encourage you to have a listen. But as we talked, the leadership team and the teaching team, we really felt that we wanted to keep the focus on Christ for this next series. Of course, our focus is always on Christ. But as we preach about him, it's just life-giving, isn't it? And so we want to focus on Christ. And so this is the fifth session of this new series. The first one, we looked at John chapter 1 and the eternal Jesus. Nancy took us through that. Then Robin spoke about Jesus, the whisper, the shout and the whisper. And then two weeks ago, Dave Oliver spoke about the kingdom beginning or the revolution beginning as we're talking about this revolutionary leader in Jesus who came. He wasn't the, the Messiah that the people thought. The people were thinking they were going to get a military leader who was, thank you, Rob. Did I put it on wrong? I'm sorry. Caused you all that hassle. That Jesus was going to come as a military leader to free them from the Roman rule. That's what they thought, but they got a very different Messiah to that. They got a Messiah that was, who was going to lay down his life. A Messiah who was going to teach a very different way to live, that upside-down kingdom of God. So different. But what a leader he is for us to follow. And then last week, Phil did a message that was online only, which was looking at Matthew or Levi, who was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, the tax collector who had to give up so much to follow Jesus. And Phil was looking at what does it mean 
to follow Jesus. And so I'll encourage you to have a listen to that if you haven't heard it. And then today, is that better? Thanks, Rob. What a blessing our PA and AV guys are, aren't they? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Wonderful. And then today, the kingdom beginning, Dave Oliver, the kingdom progressing, Phil Norris last week, and today, the revolution, sorry, the revolution beginning, revolution progresses, and the revolution expressed. That's today. And the teaching team have given me quite a free brief. They suggested I look at one of Jesus' miracles. And what a great, way, great thing for a preacher is if he said, look, just preach on a miracle of Jesus. What better thing is there to preach on? And then I thought, hang on a minute, there's so many. <laughs> which, which one do I choose? I thought this was going to be an easy preach, and now I'm looking through the Gospels thinking, which one do I preach on? And so I've been praying and thinking about what to preach on, and I really felt that God wanted me to preach on blindness and the healing of blindness. Opening blind eyes. Because a number of Jesus' miracles were about healing blindness. Of course, not all of them. He healed people of all kinds of different infirmities, and he cast out demons, and he did wonderful things. But he seemed to love to heal people of blindness. And it's no surprise, really, when we look at his manifesto. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus starts his ministry, he quotes from Isaiah chapter 61, and he says this from verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Incidentally, that line, recovery of sight for the blind, isn't in Isaiah 61, but it is here in Luke 4. It's a little bit of homework if you want to research why that is. I won't go into it now. I'm not sure I have the answer. But if you want to re- research it and look at it, then do. But Jesus, as he starts his ministry, recovery of sight for the blind seems to be really important. And yes, that's physical healing. That's physical blindness that he wants to heal. But I'm convinced it's spiritual blindness as well. I'm convinced that he's come to open the eyes of people who are spiritually blind so they can see who he is. They can see what he's done for them. They can see how he loves them. Because one of the main tactics of the enemy, the devil, Satan, is to blind the minds of unbelievers. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where he says the God of this age, the enemy, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. But Jesus comes along and in his manifesto as he starts his ministry there in Luke 4, he's come to restore sight to the blind. And like I say, I'm convinced that's spiritual blindness as well as physical blindness. But he expresses this revolution, expresses this kingdom through healing blind people. And so I want to look at one of those miracles today. I'll just lose my place. And so I want to look in Mark chapter 8, because there's one of these miracles, and it's a really fascinating miracle of Jesus opening a blind man's eyes. And if you've got a Bible, I think there's some in the the chairs in front of you, if you haven't got one with you, I'd encourage you to turn to Mark chapter 8, because as we go through it, you might pick up some things 
that are really quite interesting, I think, and I hope you're going to find them interesting as well. I will put the words up on the screen as well. But this is really fascinating because Mark chapter 8 is right in the middle of Mark's gospel. There's 16 chapters in Mark's gospel. So Mark 8, right in the middle. And it really is a hinge point of the gospel where Jesus is asking his disciples who he is. Are they aware? Are they seeing who he really is? So let's read this. Mark 8, and this is from verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes, he put his hands on him. Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. I find this a really fascinating miracle for several reasons. And firstly, I just want to point out the fact that some people brought this man to Jesus. We presume he was pleased to be healed. We presumed he wanted to be healed. We presumed he was delighted when Jesus opened his eyes. But what we know here is that people brought him to Jesus. And I just wanted to point out, you can bring people to Jesus. Let's not forget that. Remember earlier in Mark 2, you had that incredible miracle where people brought the paralyzed man and led him down through the roof and Jesus forgave his sins and healed him. You can bring people to Jesus. You can declare healing. You can lay your hands on people and see them healed. Even if they don't know Jesus. Even if they're not aware of what Jesus has done for them. You can bring people to Jesus. You have, if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit living in you. Remember Jesus said there in Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And he's anointed me to do these things. And Jesus is anointing you as well as his followers to do these things. So remember, you can bring people to Jesus. But what's really fascinating for me about this miracle is that Jesus engages with this man twice. On the first occasion, he spit on his eyes and then, really strange, isn't it? But then this man started to see a bit. But then Jesus engages with him again, puts his hands on him again, and then he sees clearly. His his sight is fully restored. So why did Jesus have to do this twice? Is he in some way not powerful enough to do it the first time? Well, I can't believe that. We, we know that God's powerful enough to do it first time, don't we? A few people do, that's good. And, uh, you know, God doesn't need two attempts to do it. We read in the Bible so many times when Jesus heals someone on, just by declaring, just by laying his hands on them, just by praying, People are restored. And we've seen that. I've seen that happen in people. We know that God is powerful enough. So there must be something different going on here. Maybe it's that he's encouraging us as his followers, his disciples at the time, us now. Maybe he's encouraging us to keep persisting in prayer, that we might pray once and see something happen, but actually we need to pray again and keep praying until things happen. I think there's probably something of that here. Let's take that encouragement. But I think if we start to look at what's happening around this miracle of this healing of this blind man in Mark chapter 8, I think we start to get a real insight as to what's really going on here. So let me take you, and you might want to follow this in your Bibles, but let me take you to the beginning of Mark chapter 8. 
We hear a miracle here of Jesus providing for 4,000 people, the feeding of the 4,000. He's already done a very similar miracle in Mark chapter 6, probably the more famous one of feeding the 5,000. And there's 12 basketfuls of bread left over afterwards. Here at the beginning of Mark 8, we've got a very similar miracle. 4,000 people fed, seven basketfuls left over. And then Jesus takes his disciples. They go off in a boat. And the disciples are off with Jesus. And they realize they don't have much bread. And so they they start to panic that they haven't got enough bread. What are we going to do? And Jesus starts to get a bit frustrated, I think, at this stage. Look, you've just been with me and I've fed 4,000 people. You've been with me before. I've fed 5,000 people. You've been with me. You've seen miracles. And yet you don't have a lot of bread and you're starting to panic. It's really interesting what he says here. In Mark 8 and verse 17, aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having, having no bread? Do you still not see? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? See where this is going? Do you have ears but fail to hear? They don't realize quite yet who Jesus fully is, I don't think. They don't realize that they've got the miracle-working, all-powerful God with them. Despite all that Jesus has done already, they're not quite there yet. Do you have eyes but fail to see? And then we have, and he talks about these two miracles of feeding the 4,000, feeding the 5,000. Then we're into this Miracle, which we just read about. The man who has his sight restored. The first time partially restored. Maybe the disciples are partially seeing who Jesus is. Through these miracles and what Jesus is telling them. Maybe they're starting to understand more who Jesus is. Just as this man, after Jesus engages with him the first time, starts to see a little bit more. And then just as that man on the second time, his his sight is fully restored, we see that disciples start to get a little bit more of it, start to have their sight fully restored afterwards. Because from verse 27 in Mark 8, we read this, Jesus and his disciples went on to the village around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist Others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? And then it's Peter that replies, you are the Christ. Fully seeing, fully understanding who Jesus is. Before this miracle partially seeing, but still fearful that they don't have enough bread in this boat. But after this miracle, fully seeing, you are the Christ. And then we have that wonderful account at the beginning of Mark chapter 9 about the transfiguration where Jesus is transfigured with Elijah and Moses. And then we hear this voice from heaven in verse 7 that says, This is my son, 
whom I love. Listen to him. Verse 8, suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. The voice from heaven declaring, this is my son. This is God with you. And then all they can see is Jesus. They can fully see. Partially seeing, but then fully seeing. I think that's something of what's happening in that miracle of this man partially seeing and then fully seeing. Because God loves to restore sight to blind people. Physically, yes, but spiritually as well. His disciples fully see who he is. So my father, it was May 2019 when my dad died. He'd collapsed nine days previously and he'd had a major heart attack. And we prayed. Many people were praying in different nations as well as this nation for his recovery. But it never came. But we, throughout those nine days, just saw God in the detail in so many ways. There was, basically, my dad, it was a Saturday morning when he collapsed, and he was taking part in some teaching, a session on discipleship that he was taking at a local church in Southampton. And he drove to near the church and parked up. And he didn't have his heart attack while he was driving. We were grateful for that. And then when he parked up and he walked to the church, he didn't have his heart attack as he walked to the church. And we were grateful for that. Because then there would have just been maybe strangers around and that would have been horrible on the street. As it happened, he had his heart attack while he was putting refreshments out at the beginning of the day. And because of the nature of what he was involved in teaching that day, there was lots of medics at that, at that session, at that day. And so there was about five or six doctors, very senior medics, who gave him fantastic CPR. And they managed to get some sort of output as the ambulance came and worked on him, and then, of course, he was taken to hospital. And we held out some sort of hope through that. We thought, God, you've put some medics there. You've made it possible for Dad to receive amazing CPR. Maybe that's all part of the plan to save his life. But it wasn't to be. And then on the last day before he died, they'd told us that there was nothing more that they could do and they were going to turn off his life support machine. And on that final day before they did, the nurse who was looking after him joined us as we gathered round dad's bed and prayed and put worship songs on our phone and sang around his bedside because she was a Christian and she knew the songs and she joined us and that was really, really special. They wanted to take, they wanted to harvest dad's major organs in order to pass them on to people who desperately needed them. The plan was to take his kidneys and his liver. And so the transplant team came on that final day before they turned the machine off. And it just so happened that the lead of that team, the lead surgeon, was a friend of my parents, a really amazing Christian guy who was leading that team. We thought, God, you've set this up. There's going to be some redemption here. It's going to be incredible to take these organs in the midst of our grief and this terrible situation. 
What redemption to be able to take these organs and pass them on to someone to give someone else life? But as it happened, my dad would have had to have died within a certain amount of time of turning off his life support machine because the risk of the lack of oxygen to the organs was just too great to leave it more than about three or four hours. And dad was always such a fighter. And he lived for a number of hours, well past those three or four hours, without his life support machine, which meant that they couldn't use his kidneys. They couldn't use his liver. They had to stand the organ transplant team down without harvesting any of his major organs. And we were like, Lord, what's going on? What's happening here? This just seems really rough when we thought there was going to be some redemption out of this, but there's just not. But God had a different plan because they were, they were able to take some of dad's tissue from his body. One of the things they did take was the corneas from his eyes because they could give sight to someone else. And they did. And they passed dad's corneas onto someone else to give them better sight. And then a little while later, we received some correspondence through the transplant team from the person who'd received those corneas. And it was sent to my mum via the transplant team, and I spoke to my mum last week, and I said, would you mind if I read out what was written? Because I think it would fit what I'm saying really well. And she graciously said, yes, she'd be happy for that. So this is what that note said. It says, dear family of donor, I'd like to say a big thank you for the kind gift of my sight. It's lovely of your loved one to donate their organs to help other people. What a wonderful person they must have been to think of others in this most kind way. I'm forever indebted to them. My eyesight has improved greatly after the cornea transplant. And after many years of wearing glasses, I now only need them for reading after wearing them for 46 years. I'm now 53. I'm sorry for your loss. And then a little while later, we received another note, another card from this same person. And it said this, Dear family of donor, I just wanted to let you know that over Christmas I made a donation to the Blind Veterans Association in memory of your loved one who kindly gave me a gift of better sight so that someone who has loss of sight can have a white cane, a mug with a sensor, special pads around their home so they can find their way around and a telephone app which reads text messages. Also, on the anniversary of the donation, I light a candle in your loved one's memory. And I've decided this Christmas, I'll make a donation to the Guide Dogs for the Blind from a grateful recipient. P.S. The donation is working really well. The corneas are working really well. Now, what I think 
Jesus likes giving sight to blind people. It's right there in his manifesto. It's right there in the Gospels a number of times when sight is restored to people who don't have it. But God is in the business of giving spiritual sight to people who are blind, who cannot see. And I believe in this season and for all the time that we have on this earth, and if we're followers of Jesus, then by his Holy Spirit's help, he wants us to help bring sight to blind people. Yes, maybe physically on occasion, but for many people, I think that will be a spiritual sight. Do you remember when you, if you're following Jesus, do you remember when you had that revelation of who Jesus is and decided to put your faith in him? It's not by persuasive words, I don't think. It's not by an understanding up here in your head as to who Jesus is. It's something that happens in your heart when you get revelation of who Jesus really is, his love for you. Let's be those who help blind eyes to see. Amen? So I just want to lead us in a bit of a response. I asked Phil yesterday if it would be all right if I just carried on, and is that still all right to carry on and just lead us in a response? Thank you. So there's three areas that I'd like to just invite you to respond this afternoon if you'd like to respond. The first one is that if you've got anything wrong physically with your sight, maybe you're blind, maybe you're partially blind, maybe you've got an infection in your eye, whatever it is, if there's something physically wrong with your eyes, then we'd love to pray for you this afternoon that you would receive better sight. Secondly, if you feel like, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a Christian, if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, to put your trust in him, but maybe today or maybe through the last days or weeks, you've just realized that actually the enemy has blinded my eyes, blinded my mind so that I cannot see the light of the gospel. And actually, I realize now I've received that revelation. I get it now that Jesus came to open eyes like mine for many people. But maybe you today, if that's you and you want to respond to Jesus for the first time, then I want to give you an opportunity. And thirdly, if you feel like you were those disciples before this miracle, if you feel like, yes, I put my trust in Jesus, I've chosen to follow Jesus like those disciples did, but I'm not quite sure I truly understand <laughs> I think I partially see, but I'm not sure I fully see. Then that's okay just to acknowledge that today and say, I want a greater revelation of who he is. I've had enough to follow him. I'm getting it more and more, but I want more of a revelation as to who Jesus is, his love for me, how much he's for me. Even when I've messed it up, he still is with me and he still loves me and he's still for me. If you want to truly be able to respond like Peter says, and yes, you are the Christ. I know that fully now. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond as well. And I'm just going to invite you, if that's you, for any of those three in just a moment, just to stand. If you can't stand for any reason, then feel free to respond physically in some other way. Put up your hand or whatever you want to do. 
If you can't respond in any way that physically, then just respond in your heart. God sees that as well. Just out of respect to those who may respond in a moment, can I just encourage us to close our eyes just so people feel a little bit more able to respond if they want to? And so if you want to say, yes, I want some healing for physical eye problems, physical blindness. If you want to say yes to Jesus, you feel like you've had that revelation for the first time and you want to respond and say yes. And also, if you feel like you're the disciple, one of those disciples before that miracle and you partially see but you want to fully see, if any of those three apply to you, then would you just stand now, please? Wonderful, this good number standing. So if you haven't stood yet but would like to, then there are others standing. You won't be the only one. So let me just pray. Father, we want to thank you that you came to open blind eyes spiritually and physically. Thank you that you're here today and you want to open blind eyes today. Lord, if that's physical, if anyone's responded for that, that they want to just be able to see physically more clearly, then I want to declare in the name of Jesus for healing for damaged or blind or infected eyes in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus where there's loss of sight, where there's difficulty seeing, where there's short-sightedness, long-sightedness, damage, whatever it is, Lord, in the name of Jesus, would you open eyes today? Physically, we pray. Lord, for anyone who stood because they want to respond to you for the first time, Lord, thank you that you've brought revelation today or yesterday or last week, whenever it was, Thank you that you're in the business of opening blind eyes spiritually. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that the devil, the enemy, cannot win this. (laughs) Because you came and gave your life and rose again so that we could be free and we can have relationship with you and we can live with you forever. And Lord, I want to thank you for blind eyes spiritually that you've opened. And we just want to bless that and thank you for that and pray your spirit to fill anyone this afternoon who's responded in that way. And Lord Jesus, for anyone else who's saying, I think I only partially see. I think I'm like those disciples before the the healing miracle. I've chosen to follow you and I partially see, but I want to fully see. Then once again, Lord, I want to declare in the name of Jesus that only partially seeing eyes would be open more to fully see who you are. Thank you that you are the Christ. And Lord, bring whatever extra revelation you need, Lord. Pour out your spirit into these lives of people who want to respond and say, I want to know you more. I want more revelation as to who you are. I've been living sort of there and sort of not, and I want to fully see, I want to be fully there. Lord, would you do that, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Would you fully open eyes here today? And for those watching this similar message to this online as well today, we pray that as 
Dave and Sophie lead people in a response today as well as they watch online. Would you do that as well, we pray. Lord, you're powerful enough to do that even as people watch on their televisions or computers or phones or whatever it is. Open blind eyes today, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Do you feel free to have a seat if you'd like to? Can I just say, if you responded for the first time, I'm sure Phil will reinforce this, but if you responded for the first time to Jesus today and you want to give your life to him today, then please don't leave without speaking to someone, either someone who's brought you or come with you today or one of us who've been involved at the front. Come and speak to us. Don't leave today without having someone chat with you and pray with you because that's really important. We can tell you what to do next. So bless you. Thank you.